Coming up on today's episode of the Ecom Gold Podcast, we have an in-person episode, which I haven't done for a while, and I much prefer doing them in person. I must say it's Phil Hadfield on today's show, and um, him and his business partner created essentially a watch display and storage unit and then proceeded to create other similar products launching initially on amazon and then branching into d2c so sort of the reverse of what we traditionally see they've had some uh, good growth some good scale in the uk and the us and now they are trying to break through to eight figures and we talk today about the journey and we talk a little bit about how they're going to do that all brought to you by sendlane the email sms and reviews app that you need if you're in e-commerce, especially indeed to see the team is the best in the game. The product is modern and better than anything, in my opinion, that is available on the market and more cost effective. So really a trifecta of reasons for you to go and check them out. If you haven't already, link in the show notes below or Google Sendlane. Also brought to you by Rewind, the app that should be installed on every Shopify store for complete peace of mind. Why? Because it backs up your store constantly data customer order information products everything that shopify doesn't automatically save for you is saved by rewind that means if something goes wrong you simply click a button and restore but that's not all they also have a staging option which allows you to create a carbon copy of your live environment for testing for changes for anything that you might want to do that you shouldn't do directly on your live site and once you've done your quality control checked everything won't break then you can push it to your live site. It's just good practice, folks. So check them out as well. That's Rewind. And you can find them on the Shopify app store or Google Rewind. Right, over to Phil. Phil, thank you for joining us today on the Ecom Gold podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for uh, arranging this uh, setup here. It's a lot cooler than the, the previous setup that we had. Well, I'm, I, this is a privilege for me because usually... <laughs> I'll be doing this remote, but we've got another episode in person. The last person in person was Noah from Social Snowball, if you can remember that back at that villa. Uh, and before that was Cammy. So this is the third one in Glorious Barley that I'm doing in person, which I always appreciate more, even if it is roasting hot here. Yeah, it's a, and I'm literally, what, 30 seconds away from here? It's pretty weird that I, I live literally there. Yeah, so the story is, uh, for you listeners, basically what happened was uh, I put a message out on Facebook for some help about podcasts a little while ago because I do a few others, as you might know, the operators is one of them. And uh, Sophie, Phil's wife, actually responded to me saying that she's a uh, ex-TV producer now in the podcast space and in Bali as well, uh, from London originally, and said that when she gets back, we should have a chat, and uh, we did, and then Phil runs an e-commerce business, which we'll introduce you to in a minute. And we literally live maybe 30 seconds away from each other. So if you believe in fate, here it is. And now we're here today for your listening pleasure. So Phil, take it away. Give everybody an understanding of what you do and the business that you operate. Right. So I'm going to try not to butcher this because uh, I've got a business partner and he, um, yeah, he's, he's pretty good at, at doing the intro. But um, so we, uh, so myself and my business partner, we, um, I shouldn't even call him my business, but he's my friend foremost, <laughs> first and foremost. We met each other at school when we were 13. Um, both got corporate jobs in London, myself in sales recruitment, him as a, as a tax advisor. And, um, both turned 30 years old and had kind of like done everything that we'd been told to do that would make you happy. We bought a, a flat. Uh, we'd made decent money. We'd worked our way into management positions and yet still that, uh, November, December commute into central London every year, uh, was not fulfilling us. And I think it was the opposite. It was kind of really, you know, in your twenties, I think you really enjoy kind of, you know, going to work in a suit, you know, starting to earn money, you know, becoming an adult. And then you realize, hmm, maybe this isn't all it's cracked up to be. So yeah, I think it was pretty much within about six months. I, I left my job. He left his job. Um, we both went traveling kind of separately, but with our partners and then met up along the way. And we were on a, in a, on a beach somewhere in Brazil and kind of just started chatting about how we, uh, just hate, hated our old jobs and we just couldn't go back. And, um, we, yeah, we just kind of had to find something that, that would allow us to live a life that, you know, that we wanted to live, which was, you know, not working for someone else, kind of 
be work from wherever and just have the freedom really. And so, yeah, we initially started, tried to start a swimwear brand without any real fashion sense between the two of us or any real knowledge of how to do it. Uh, but we started that and then, um, yeah, I was just on YouTube one day and I got this ad about kind of, you know, sell on Amazon. It was this guy like driving like a really cool car, like, tell you know, telling me just earn, you know, X amount and whilst doing 30 minutes work. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the next video and then watch the next video. And then two hours later, I was on the phone to my mate saying, yeah, you know, we've never started one business before. Well, now we're going to, I think we should start two businesses. So we, t- we took this course, like how to sell on Amazon. And, um, immediately I think we were hooked in terms of like the opportunity there. So we ultimately ended up parking the swimwear brand. Thank God. Cause we'd have absolutely made a, uh, a mess out of that. And then, um, yeah, we just started, yeah, we just started trying to look for different niches. I mean, I don't know how much, you know, cause you're more, you more in like the, the e-com D to C side of things. Have you had many people on that are like Amazon focused? Yeah, a few. Yeah. A few, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'd say it's still surging again now. Yeah. So it, it's a different, so we got in back in the glory days. I've heard you could literally just throw up a, you know, some toothpicks. I mean, it's a terrible example, but some terrible, uh, you know, wacky label on it, uh, your, your logo on it. And you would be, you know, after the races, you'd be, you know, you'd have a brand and you'd be, you know, a seven figure brand. And then things started to get like really competitive. And when we took this course, we realized quite quickly that we didn't just want to sell products on Amazon. We only, we knew that had like a limited value, uh, to us, but then also to, you know, any potential buyer in the future. So we were like, you know, we want to create something that means something and actually create a brand. So when you look on Amazon, you're looking for, um, niches that are, have high search volume and, but pretty terrible products or not really a brand that exists. And we tried to do a few things that didn't work out. Got some terrible samples of weird and wonderful, uh, products. We were this close toward, um, launching a, a golf, uh, travel brand neither of us play golf uh sensing a theme here and then um we at, at the last minute we were about to place this purchase order with all of our all of our money that we had and then we decided not to and decided to look for a new idea and we came across this uh watch organizer niche and we were looking at it and we were just like this there are people here there are brands here amazon brands here that are making a lot of money with very old, tired, boring designs. And so we were like, this is an opportunity here to, to innovate, to, to come up with something that's a little bit more modern. It was all aimed at the traditional guy in a suit with a Rolex, like, you know, with a briefcase. And we were like, no, there's an opportunity here to someone, you know, someone who doesn't own seven, eight grand watches, they buy, you know, a hundred, $200 watch. And so we ca- came up with a design. Um, we uh, called the brand Home and Hadfield, which... It's both of our last names, very innovative there, but we kind of wanted to, we were selling in the US market. We wanted to have that kind of British feel. We both got quite kind of British names. And yeah, we launched at the end of 2020 after I kind of cut, I kind of jumped a few steps there. We had to go through a lot of crap, trying to find the right factory, trying to, you know, all the stuff that, that, that comes with launching on Amazon. But we ended up launching on Amazon that year. We, we launched with 500 units thinking that would last us like six months and we sold out within like three weeks. And the thing that really started to make us realize that we had something there was I'd already been building our Instagram up in the, in, um, before we launched and we started working with influencers and then we're posting our products. Um, and this, uh, guy, this huge influencer in the everyday carry space, that's the, the kind of space that we're in at EDC. Um, he picked up, he actually bought our product and he included it in his, he's a guy called Pete McKinnon. Oh yeah. Oh, have you, uh, he's actually got a beard. Like he's actually, yeah, yeah. he actually looks yeah. quite a bit like yeah. you. Oh, Pete McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. He's got a bit, slightly better setup. I don't know, man. I, don't, I think I, he'd be proud of this. He's actually got some great content. I've watched really? He's, he's kind of like a mix of hilarious and just very talented. So yeah, one day I, 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 you know, I, I was our customer service then. So I saw this order come in. I was like, Pete McKinnon. I was like, is that actually him? So kind of emailed him and he said, yeah, I'm going to include this in our gift guide, in my gift guide. It's getting released in a couple of weeks and we'd already run out of stock. And 
I was like, shit, this is a, this is a, um, like one chance here and, uh, to, you know, to, to, you know, make it big at the time. And then he, but he was like, well, you could just do a pre-order. And we were like, okay, yeah. How the hell do we do that? So we figured it out. Anyway, he put us on our gi- uh, gift guide. And then what this did was it opened us up to this kind of whole avatar that we were selling to. It wasn't just a guy that, um, collected watches. It was a guy who collected pocket knives as well, which being from the UK, like I still tell my mum about it now. And she's like, you do you, pocket knives. Who, what grown man, you know, collects not, pocket not, knives. Not a lot in the UK, right? Not a lot, more than you'd think actually. Really? And in Europe, more than you'd think. Uh, but in the US and Canada it is huge. Um, and we, what, what we had done with the watch organizer was we, it wasn't a thing where you just, uh, stored the watches. It was where you stored and displayed them as well. And it was more, it wasn't just focused on function. Like, can you store as many watches as possible? It was actually like more of a minimalist design. And we were like, okay, well, can we just apply that for, you know, the, in the knife pocket knife market? So our next one was a pocket knife organizer display and that took off. And then we realized these guys collected and displayed coins as well, like, um, EDC, uh, and they're, they're called challenge coins. So if you've been in the military or, or anything like that, um, uh, you, you know, you collect them. And so we launched that and then, we realized that everything we'd launched so far was actually really, really small for people who had collections. So we went bigger and, uh, we realized every single time we went bigger, it did even better. And, uh, because people have big collections, they like spending money on this kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I'm kind of, I guess I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know where we're at in the story here, but the, the, the the first year we ended up, um, you know, doing seven figures in our first year, which is like way beyond like what we could have ever expected. Um, and then, uh, last year we, we grew to almost $4 million and, and, and this year we're on track potentially do, uh, close to like six or $7 million in, in, in revenue, which, you know, so far beyond what we could have ever expected. Um, initially this was an Amazon brand, but now we're pretty much close to 50, 50, uh, like off Amazon and, and Amazon. And yeah, I feel like I've just sped right to the end of the story. Uh, uh but yeah, I mean, does that kind of summarize it up? Yeah. N- nothing to unpack there at all. <laughs> all very straightforward. <laughs> well, thanks for coming. <laughs> There's loads, there's loads more, but like, yeah, and you can tell this is my first episode talking about this. Oh no, it's brilliant! It's brilliant. I love it. Um, right, let's just rewind, hit the rewind yeah, yeah, button, yeah. and go back to those 500 units in yes. order. <clears throat> so, 500 units. Uh, talk us through. So, did you have just one initial SKU design? Yes. Yeah. Everything color. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you just went for those 500 units. So, yeah. what we're we talking in terms of uh, production? Where are they coming from? How long did it take you to get to that? Uh, confident first sample where you're ready to place that first order uh so china uh we initially were so like we don't want this to be a made in china brand you know we went to you know factories in all different kinds of places and the the reality was that one with the budget that we had but also the quality that we wanted to get to we just couldn't find anything better than china we then um uh, we had a factory in vietnam and a factory in China that were doing okay enough quality, but it took us four rounds of samples before we finally got to one where we were happy. What, but, what were some of the issues in the sampling? What what made you not unhappy? Um, just, I mean, we got these ones from India and I posted them in our, we have a Facebook community and I posted them in our Facebook community the other day and I said, this is what you could have had if we'd have <laughs> gone with this factory. Um, just like really not getting it the, the 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 quality of it just being so like bargain basement and just showing up with like very small blemishes and we wanted this to be a premium brand that was a f- also like kind of affordable as well um yeah and sorry i can't i can't remember the just question. sourcing try some of the issues that you had in sampling yeah uh, i think one of the issues is that we just didn't know how much to push back so we were at a point where we were kind of happy with the sample, but there were still still a few issues with it. And we were just like, oh, we just want to get going. We're so desperate to get going. Let's just, should we just do it? Should we just place the order? Should we just 
place all the money we have in the world in this order. And we were close to doing it. And then we got speaking to a guy who's like a sourcing guy in the Amazon space. And he was just like, absolutely not. If you accept this now, then this will be the standard moving forward. Or, or worse. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and so we, we really made the commitment there and then that we were going to make, uh, suppliers life kind of a bit hell. Uh, we, and so we, we got to a sample that we was perfect. And we said, this is the standard it always has to be. And not only that, I think the industry standard with inspections, we were told anyway, was like 30 or 40%. We do a hundred percent. We inspect every single thing. Um, which now I just can't believe anyone wouldn't do that. Um, but then with these first 500 units, we, we didn't think to do drop testing initially. Uh, we've got, it's quite a fragile product and we just, we're just going to send it in its gift box, which is really fragile. It was about a day before it was meant to ship. And we were like, huh, that could be a problem, but it's going to delay our launch. And then I think when you get going, anyone who's listening to this, who's thinking about getting going is you're just so desperate to just do it as soon as possible. You don't even want to lose like a week, but we made that decision there because we, we knew we kind of only had one chance because it was all our money. And so we delayed everything, had to spend more money, getting the extra packaging, forcing them to do drop testing, which they said they never did, but we forced them to. And then, yeah, ended up working out well because we did that. Smart. Yeah. Something that you just wouldn't think of, but absolutely necessary. So they still assembled in China and shipped fully assembled. Yeah. 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 Have you explored, I know some brands ship in and, and do kind of light manufacturing localized America, UK, and just put the pieces together so that they can sort of flat pack out of China. Have you looked at that? Oh, I haven't. Um, that's potentially a good idea. And also potentially good from a, we get a lot of pushback from people in America who want it to be like American made. So I don't know whether that would. Well, assembled in America, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Made in America. I don't uh, know where the line is. I, I, I don't know whether that would save us any. It's, it's really right now honestly the 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 amount of things that could go wrong with shipping our product because it's so fragile it's it's built a bit of a moat around our business a lot we've had a lot of copycats but a lot of those copycats you know probably realize how difficult it is to ship and all that so i think if we shipped all the different parts i don't know it could be but maybe it's something to explore for sure i never really i didn't even know that was possible to be honest I believe, I might be misquoting here, but I believe the Ridge Wallet, at least some of them, are shipped as component parts, although they're not that big. And yeah. assembled, final assembly in the US. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was just, logically, it would make sense rather than shipping a load of air in a big box, like you said, to have them assembled. Or potentially, if you could, if you could do it, you could convince people that it's a self-assembly product, a bit like Ikea. And pay a bit more yeah. and make it easily self-assembled. Okay, so I'm going to finish this podcast <laughs> and I'm going to call my business partner and say, okay, you're, you know, the plan we had. No. It <laughs> yeah, no, maybe that wouldn't work. So you got these products, uh, you got your initial 500. Um, selling those initial 500, all Amazon? Yes. So yeah, how did yeah. you get that listing off the ground from day one? Oh, that was my, that was my business partner's side of things. Like as in, uh, actually doing the listing or you mean like PPC and everything? Yeah, just, I mean, you're fresh from Amazon. You've got a new listing, no reviews, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we did a few kind of, uh, uh, gray hat tactics to get some reviews on the board, uh, in the, in the sense of we knew some people in America. So we got them to buy them and, you know, get a few reviews on the board. We, um, I think my business partner, he did the PPC initially which I can't believe he did now because he wouldn't have a clue what he was doing. Um, and um, yeah, other than that, we focused on amazing photography and we always have done. We've invested a lot. Like uh, we invested a lot of our, all of our budget on on content back then. And, and since then, I mean, the listings, our competitors' listings is just they're so much better now than they were, than they were back then. So there was a bigger opportunity. So I'd, I'd say there was... That was one of the main things we did to uh, stand out to obviously we knew the product itself stood out on the page. There was nothing like it. Um, but the photography, uh, in, in a big way. And then we used, we were, you know, at that point, we also used influencers, even though not as much of a big impact that it has now. Now we're more of a known brand. Just, just on that and how you present your product. If I could, if I gave you the option of only having one photograph on Amazon 
And that photograph, you can either have one of those ones that has all of the detailed products, uh, features and functions, you know, almost like you have an image and then it has little lines coming off it, mm. like, you know, whatever quilted drawer, uh, you know, glass top or whatever, or you can just have a, and, and it's a very basic image, or you can have one really, really premium designed, like studio like image. And the kind of root of the question is, do you think that feature function is a better seller on Amazon or a really nicely designed photograph? Which would you choose? It's a good question. Uh, I think it depends who you ask. Uh, and it'd be interesting. I think my business partner, my brand manager, we all have different uh, answers. I think a studio uh, for the kind of brand who we are. So many um, like crappy brands on Amazon, they just sell just on, you know, the features and they have, you know, what you say, all those infographics. We have infographics as well, but ultimately if you have that amazing, stunning shot, it's going to sell it like so well, so well. We have a, we have a specific photographer that does our hero shots only because it's honestly, we have another photographer who does the rest of the shots on, and when he tries to do our hero shots, uh, to those who don't know on Amazon, the hero shots, the, the first one you see is the white background image. It's, it looks like a different product. Um, and that in itself is worth like, yeah, you know, you, know, you can't put a value on it because of how well that sells it. Cause that's, you need to stop someone scrolling. Even on Amazon. That's the key to stop someone scrolling. Yeah. 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 yeah, For for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, and in terms, and in terms of, I mean, Facebook ads and stuff, I mean, that's a whole different ball game and that's, that's definitely a brand, my brand, a question for my brand manager and not me. So Amazon was kind of the leading way that you were getting customers straight out of the gate. Yeah. So you went from that 500 order. Yeah. What was your sell through in that? How quickly did you sell through on that? I think it was three weeks. Three weeks. Do you remember how many returns you got? Um, not, not, not loads. I think, well, I say not loads, not loads for us. Our return rate is higher than I would like, but below three or 4% maybe. That's incredible. So you were, so you, you got something and then your next order then, how much cash flow did you generate? Did you have your finances dialed in at that point where you knew, do you know what? We've made a good bit of money here. Let's reinvest that. I like the way you say, did you have your, your finances dialed in then when we don't have our finances <laughs> dialed in now. Um, we, yeah, we already had a, a reorder planned. Uh, so it was already, we already had our next order placed, but because we had this, uh, pre-order done with the, the, the Pete McKinnon, the, we were like, Oh God, we need to go big now. Our website's going to blow up. So <laughs> we use that pre-order money and just put everything into the next order. But, when the actual uh, order came in and we started trying to sell on our website, obviously, you know, we weren't doing Facebook ads that, you know, that, that one YouTube gift guide wasn't going to fuel this whole year of sales. So we then ended up having more stock than we needed. Right. And, and that's where you sort of realized that even Pete McKinnon, it was still more of a peak than a consistent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, to be honest, that was, it was great. Cause I think we did, I think it was like, we did, $8,000 in a day, which did, was... Did he want anything? No, 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 he didn't. We ended up giving him something. We said, look, we want you to have 10% for every sale, but he would he would have just done it. Um, he, he's done stuff with us in, in, uh, since where he's just, he's just done it. Um, and he never asks, but we always want him to, because we just feel bad. Just like he, he, he gets paid an insane amount of money to do other things. But he... I think I remember someone saying it um, when we were looking at what kind of products to choose. It was like, choose something where an influencer actually wants your products and there's no bigger, um, you know, he actually bought our product. So like he actually wants the stuff and actually we've managed to convince him uh, he's going to include it in his gift guide this year when he hasn't done it for the last three years. So, and again, you know, it's because he wants the product as well. Yeah, it's incredible. I think Mm. that's exactly the right way to do it. Um, represent, I think, I, I believe it might have changed now, but they didn't even, if an influence, even if someone like Diddy would to, was to write and say, I want like a couple of t shirts, they actually wouldn't send them for free. You get them to buy on the really? website. It's kind of like a no, like if you like our stuff, buy it. If you don't, don't. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Um, so you've got, so you've got, you've got your second order in. Do you remember how much, you, how many units you placed in that second order, <laughs> roughly? I think probably about 1500 units. Yeah, so tripled it up. Yeah. Tripled it up. And then how long did it take you to blow through that? 
probably quite a long time because we, you know, we'd never sold before. So we didn't think that was going to sell out as quickly as it did. But then we didn't realise how... Why did it sell out so quick? Um, Because it, it was Christmas, like, we, uh, you know, Q4, like, ridiculous. Uh, so, oh, sorry, I should have said that. Uh, yeah, so it was the beginning of, no, end of October. So, and also there just was not a product like ours. It was so unique. And what was the price point? Uh, we launched, mm, what did we launch at? I think we launched at about, like, $60, but we sell it at, at nine because we... we we just, you know, launch costs. We we sell it like $90 now for that particular product. Yes, it's like the ideal gift, isn't it? Yeah. Price point. Yeah. So Q4, you placed an order, sold out mad quick on Amazon. Yeah. Perfect timing. And then you rolled into, I guess, Q1, Q2, tripled your order, and then had a bit of stock on the... So at this point, I presume you're not paying yourselves. No, 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 no. We had... Um, oh, I probably should have said that as well. Yeah, I can't... Really, it was like a two-minute two minute story wasn't it i gave you we we so even though we didn't want to go back to our old jobs we realized that we didn't whatever we were going to do particularly if it was e-com we weren't gonna be able to take a good wage like quickly so i took like a freelance recruitment role where i could just have my own hours make my own hours if i didn't want to work for two weeks i didn't have to and then ian took a a, a job back at his old place but could work completely remotely so we were balancing the two at that time yeah okay and then how, just out of interest on that, on that same subject, how long until you took a salary? You took some money out. Um, we didn't give ourselves any money until, uh, we gave ourselves like a bonus at the end of 2021. So it was over a year before we took any sort of money out of the business. Um, yeah. It's actually not that bad. Yeah. First year or well, end of first year. We, but we probably, in retrospect, because we were earning money at that time, we probably should have just left it in the business. Uh, but we were like, you know, we thought we deserved it, which we did. We deserved it. And I think it's important that you do, without being stupid, you do try to reward yourself and celebrate those wins and, and get there. Because, you know, it's you don't get into the econ world to earn a huge salary. Uh, it's more about potentially, you know, an exit at, at the end of the day. So if you're able to do it, then, I, you know, I, it felt good at the time for sure. Yeah, I think that's one misconception. I think most of the listeners of this show will understand it, but obviously if you're making money in e-commerce, you're reinvesting money in e-commerce. So yeah. it's not a business where you can be very quickly self-sufficient on a salary. It's uh, it's a builder and an exeter, yeah, rather than anything else. So you've ordered these 1,500. You've, you've done a pretty good job. Um, you started selling on your D2C site. Where did you go from there? So we developed, uh, I mentioned, uh, the beginning, uh, you know, after the Pete McKinnon thing, we realized that there was this avatar, this type of person that was set at buying our products and he collected, he didn't just collect watches, he collect knives. And so that needs to be our next product. And so we essentially created the exact same product, but for knives. And I think we launched that midway through that year. And then also we were like, Everyone kept messaging us saying, can, can you, can I have this in black? And we were like, in black? We were like, why would you have it in black? And it was at that point I realized like how different the American culture is than the, you know, the UK. Originally we were going to launch this uh, in oak, uh, like light oak, because that's what we preferred. And then when we did, uh, you, you heard of PicFu. Um, it's like a, an online thing where you can, um, test. Uh, get people to, it's like a poll essentially right, right, right. and um, yeah market research and hands down Americans love the wall, dark walnut colour so yeah. that's what we launched it in and then they were just asking for black so we were like okay well let's just do you know we'll launch everything in black so just by doing that it was like launching another product so for the for the by the end of that year we had a uh, we launched everything I think we launched black versions. We also launched like smaller versions of our watch, uh, watch organizers as well as the knife organizer. And yeah, that was kind of like our progression through that year. And we were looking back on it now. Sales were amazing. Uh, but it, it was that 2021 like rebound, um, after COVID. So it was like the booster year. Yes, we thought that was how life was. Uh, <laughs> whereas now, if we were selling those same products in this market, we'd do a hell of a lot less than what we did that year, for sure. Mm. And did you advertise those on Facebook? No, no. So, so although we started selling on our website, uh, and this is a lesson we've had to learn a lot, and we've had to learn it this year, is 
Stop getting distracted by the shiny object syndrome. Don't start to try and sell on your website when you've only just launched one product on Amazon. Ultimately, we took a, a course, how to sell on Amazon. Don't, don't ignore that. Let's just nail that first. So we just, we still continue to build our community off Amazon. Um, that was what we wanted to do with the longer term goal of like, of being off Amazon, but we needed to almost reuse Amazon as like a launch pad to, to get products going. So yeah, we, we, we barely sold, um, uh, our products through, uh, on our website that year, but we launched on a, have you heard of Etsy? Yeah. 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 So we launched towards the end of that year on Etsy and that went amazingly well, like really, really well. And, and still to this day uh, is a really big seller for us. So interesting. I mean, I love the approach of Amazon first. Mm. Don't hear that a lot. Mm. Um, but what you do hear a lot is people that list on Amazon who run Facebook ads uh, do see massive jumps in their Amazon orders when they've got Facebook ads on because that discovery still happens. It's just a preference point of where they buy it tends to be Amazon. Um, which is super interesting, but Etsy, yeah, and Fair, I think, is the American sort of version, F A I R E. That's the so we're on Fair as well. So Fair is a, a platform where you connect to uh, like resellers, like right. retail. Uh, Etsy's um, it's just more of a like handmade goods, it's like uh, craft, yeah, yeah like es- essentially. And people are prepared to pay a little bit more. And I, I think that look that's the negative of a selling on Amazon, and it's something we're looking to address next year. Is that our margins would be so much better if we didn't sell on Amazon. You have to be, or even though we're like a premium brand on Amazon, but you know, we, if we didn't sell on Amazon, we could sell at far better prices than, than we do. Um, wait, wait, wait. I just want to unpack that a little mm. bit. Cause that's interesting. Cause I've heard both sides of this. So your margins would be better off Amazon. Why do you think that? Because we, feedback from our customers, uh, like customers who, have bought seven or eight of our products, you know, they're particularly, so one of these watch organizers that we've just released, it's like $300 that we sell it for. And then I, you know, we would pay like $500 for it. Oh, so it's your, your hand strung by price on Amazon. Y- yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and why is that ceiling there? Um, because of the competition, uh, not so much in the knife space, but in the watch space, it's so competitive. Um, and yeah, but I think the success we've had this year on our own website, we're going to be less reliant on Amazon. I still think it's going to play a big part of our business. And I think it's stupid to ignore it and walk away from it because it's just, you know, I mean, it's such a beast. Uh, and if you've got success there and we've got, you know, thousands of reviews. So, um, but to be able to not be so reliant on it is a bit of a relief, to be honest. Diversification. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of brand equity building on Amazon, then is that difficult? Would you say, are you restricted again by, because you can't, have a conversation with a customer through your website and build value outside of Amazon. You're sort of, everyone has the same structures work within. Does that have a limiting factor on, on the product growth in terms of pricing, in terms of margins, things like that? 100% in terms of comparing it to like a D2C brand. When you're comparing us to another Amazon brand, we, uh, you know, if, if people, if you're the type of person, which I think a lot of people are these days who look someone up on a brand up on Amazon, you know, if you, if you're spending 90, 100, 150, $200 on a product, you're probably going to look them up on Instagram. Um, you can see we're an actual brand. We've, you know, we've got a podcast on YouTube. You know, you go to our website, you know, the, us as founders, we're all over the website. In uh, the watch space anyway, there's not no other brand that does that. So I think, um, and then also Amazon are making it a lot, uh, like with the brand storefront these days, there's a lot more there that you can interact but yeah, you're totally right. Not being, I think the biggest issue with us is customer service, not having that first touch point when there's an issue there. And we pride ourselves on, um, have you, have you ever, uh, have you heard of Zappos before? Uh, is it Zappos? It rings a bell, wasn't that a shoe um, brand? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a guy, a, a guy uh, wrote a book called Delivering Happiness. Uh, Tony, I forgot, I don't know how you say his last name. Someone will know who's listening to this. Um, unfortunately, he's died now, but his approach to customer service is exactly how, what I want us to be. And Amazon restricts you from doing that because you need that first touch point. And his approach was just no matter what, you need to make it a good experience for them. And for us, I, I tell our customer service team, I want someone to be happy they had an issue with their product because 
of of the outcome that they ended up having. And that's what I want to create for them. It's almost like you just surprise them so much. And Amazon does take that opportunity away for for us. So yeah, definitely it is it does take that is the negative of it for sure. I can see that on your website because uh, as soon as you get onto the the website, a little bubble pops up with your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I quite like. Um, what about Amazon? Amazon could be a bit of a walled garden in terms of access to data, access to information. Do you think that had a bit of a limiting factor early on as you were trying to grow the brand? You didn't get quite as much customer information and data that you might have got from your website, for example, if you were to start DTC, then move to Amazon. Like, how did that impact you guys? Um, yeah, it depends how you look at it, how it impacted us. It impacted us from a, yeah, we didn't own the customer. Um, we didn't have that information like you would a DTC brand, but we were able to grow much quicker from a revenue point of view. If we'd have just gone at it straight D2C, um, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, you know, Facebook ad wise, D2C. We, you know, you know, having said that, I don't know. Maybe if we'd gone D2C straight from the beginning, we could have seen some su- uh, success. It's just, I think Amazon, it, yeah, it depends how you value growth, I guess. And now, although we were a bit behind in terms of like owning the customer, having that data, we're definitely making up for that now. And talk to me about fulfillment. Do you use FBA or do you do your 3PL stuff? So we have, up in, before this year, we were only FBA. Um, and last Q4, last quarter, we just realized we're never doing this again because they, although they say that they will fill, fulfill the orders. So we have non, um, non Amazon orders through Etsy and our own website. And they just, it's back of the queue there that, you know, there people were ordering on like the 10th of December and getting their products after Christmas. It, it was serious. It was terrible. Wow. So at the beginning of this year, we were like, no, we need a 3PL. So now we have, we have a 3PL where we store our stock and then we have a 3PL that fulfills our orders. And, um, yeah, like, for the first time this year, I was our operations person, which she scares the life out of me now. Uh, but for the first time, you know, we have an operations person, person who, who manages all that stuff as well. So yeah. And then we launched in Germany and UK this year as well. So we have like three pills there as well. I imported uh, a bulk import of products into Shopify and I did not put in the meta fields the created date and, uh, that sent the whole filtering system haywire because you could no longer filter by collect filter collections by newest in first uh, or, or date added to the website, which was a really big problem for this quite large fashion brand. If I didn't have Rewind, that would have been a complete pickle. It would have taken hours, if not days, to sort out all of the while these products are live and really messing up their merchandising. A mistake by me, absolutely. But fortunately, I had the foresight to install Rewind before I made any of these changes and I was able to just click a button, restore the site back to a previous version just a few minutes before I made that fatal error and no one was any the wiser. That's the value of Rewind. That's just one use case, okay? One use case. There are hundreds of other use cases. Have it on there because when you need it, you'll text me or you'll tweet me and say, thank you so much, Finn, for recommending that I installed Rewind. You saved my bacon. Back to today's show. All right, so just give us a quick breakdown of the team now then. So you've got operations now and... Yeah, so we uh, we are a mix of freelance... Well, ultimately everyone is freelance and like everyone's in on a contract basis, but we have people who are considered full-time people. Um, we are scattered throughout the world. Like I'm here in Bali, my business partner's in the UK. We have people, brand managers in Australia. So we so essentially we have... Me and my business partner, we have a brand manager, a finance manager, an operations manager. Uh, we did have a community manager, but unfortunately that didn't really work out. But then within that kind of like social media, we have a, an operations team in China, um, who are, who I actually introduced you to. Yep. Um, they are, they're an agency, but they really are an extension of our team. They completely manage the whole, uh, China operation for us. Like I went over there to visit our factory recently and they just, yeah, they're, they're unbelievable. Um, and then below all of that, we have a lot of, so then we have, I think we have like three VAs as well, three full-time VAs in the Philippines who help us with across like social media, um, you know, seller central issues, you know, uh, loads of different things. And then, and then we just have a lot of different kinds of freelancers. So, you know, SEO, um, you know, email, um, God, I'm 
I'm trying to think about what we just have a lot of different freelancers. Like I'd say, nah, we're, we're a team between kind of like 12 and 15 at, at, at the moment. Um, but with a core team of probably around like eight, eight or nine of us. Uh, it, it sounds difficult to manage. Yeah. So, so what we want to do, what we wanted to do this year was hire a director of operations that could take the kind of like day to day stuff off us. And, um, We've realized that, I think I said it to you the other day, that's uh, EOS, uh, the like, um, entrepreneur operating system. They talk about how there's, uh, there's two kinds of founders. There's a, there's a operator, um, integrator, and then there's a, like, um, a visionary. And I think we've realized, particularly me, but him as well, we're both kind of visionary characters and we don't love the day to day. I mean, I'm terrible. Like I, I, I'm more all about, I love like bigger picture, um, you know, really, you know, high level stuff and the day to day systems processes. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want any of that. So that's where we're kind of struggling. And I think cause we're heading towards the eight figure range now, we need something like that because I think, you know, if you don't, then you break. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, uh, that's an interesting point. So you're getting on towards that eight figure range. What's going to get you there? Do you think, uh, first and foremost? Yeah. So it comes down to like most people in this situation. I think it, in most brands in this situation, they either exit, they go out of business, they've, they've gone out of business or they get more investment. Uh, and we're at a stage where we need more investment. Um, so that's one thing, but then, yeah, we definitely, we made a number of bad hires at the beginning of this year. We just like, Oh, we need to grow. So let's hire loads of people. And we hired a lot of people that we've had to let go and rehire. Uh, and now we've got some really good people in, in, um, in place and also I think we were paying too much for certain people. Um, for example, um, yeah, just hiring, hiring in America when we don't need or in the UK or whatever, when we don't need to, we can hire that, just that same person in Mexico or, you know, that same quality of person. Um, so yeah, I think just hiring the right people and really, I think we, we do need this like number two, someone who's going to take that day to day stress off us. They say about a million. A million per head, don't they? Million to a million and a half. Some people even stretch it to two, but I think the organisation can come under quite a lot of stress at, at that. But about a million per head, I've heard, is a pretty good indication if you've got the got the right tier. I don't know if that works out with some of the smaller roles as well, but yeah. um, interesting. So hiring. Uh, okay, so what about stock and inventory and product diversification? Have you got a product that will get you to eight figures? Um, yeah, so it's because we've now, we've launched two products. So last year when we launched products, we didn't, one of them was a bit of a, was a hit, but it still wasn't, it was never going to take the place of our, our first product has always been our hero product up until this day, but we've launched two products now that off Amazon are potentially going to be our biggest sellers, which is like pretty amazing. So yeah, we've got two products that could help us get there for sure. But we've got so many other product ideas that are verified by our audience. So what, what we do now is so we, we, I decided that I wanted to kind of have a bit more of a close knit community. So we create this Facebook group and we involve our customers at, in our product development process. So even to the extent of, you know, this is our design. What do you think about it? What would you change? You know, what color would you go for? Like, how much would you pay for this? So that when we launch it, we know it's going to do well. Um, and so we have, I think we've got about five products that we could launch next year. Um, and so that's, that's that a big, big, big opportunity for us is a uh, retail. Um, we really love, like, I can totally see our products, uh, in like Bloomingdale's, um, uh, Coles. I think that's one other one. Uh, there's like those high, higher end uh, department stores in, in America. Um, and I think that's a huge opportunity as well. So I, there's so many ways in which this can go. And like, we've only really scratched the surface of what's going on in the U S so it's not necessarily just launching more products. It's like, can we go a bit wider? We've only just launched in, you know, Germany and the UK. Can we build it up there as well? 
you are in the D2C space, if you have a brand that's selling online and you haven't at least had a demo with Sendlane, then one of two things is objectively true about you. You like setting money on fire, you like making your life more difficult. If neither of those things are true and you are an e-commerce brand and you are selling online, you do send emails, you do send SMS, you do have reviews or you at least like to collect reviews, then there is no reason for you not to at least have had a demonstration with Sendlane. They are built for e-commerce. They are the most modern platform with the best features, in my opinion, at the lowest cost. I mean, I'm not really sure what would be holding you back. Please go and check them out. Show notes below. They have an event coming up. You can still get tickets, I believe, for that event in San Diego. A link to the Commerce Roundtable in the show notes below as well. Please do go and check out Sendlane if you haven't already. Back to the episodes. Um, so some people in the e-commerce space would advise that you don't do any of that and you pour all of your money, every single penny into Facebook ads to get you to eight figures and focus on D2C and Amazon. Have you tried that? Uh, and what would stop you doing that? Um, to be honest, to be honest, uh, we have, we haven't, uh, and I, you know, I wouldn't disagree with them. Uh, I was, I guess I was just kind of going over the different options we have. I, I think that probably does make more sense. Uh, we've done a, you know, I mentioned shiny object syndrome earlier. We've done a lot of that this year. We've chased a lot of different things. Um, we, me and my brand manager were talking the other day about how jealous we were of kind of, uh, athletic greens and just having one skew and they've just scaled that to the moon. So yeah, I, I think that is something that we, and we have two products now, the ones we've launched that are doing so well with Facebook ads. So we're kind of new to the game though in the D2C space and in that respect. Uh, so. Yeah, we'll see. Um, maybe I should do a follow-up episode in a year's time and I'll let you know. Yeah, 100%. I do actually try and check in every year. So, um, And what about in terms of the um, Q4? This episode will be coming out the day before Black Friday and we're a couple of days out from Black Friday now. Gifting Q4 is big for you guys. Like, Are you prepped this year for it? It is crazy. Uh, it, honestly, it's absolutely mental. Like our, We essentially do... 50% of our year sales in about seven weeks. So yesterday, uh, so it's been bubbling up until yesterday. Uh, so Monday of like Black Friday week and it just thankfully, because uh, there's a lot riding on it, it, it really took off yesterday. And so we, we kind of have like a, a daily tracker against our forecast and we exceeded it yesterday. So we're expecting kind of, well, if we don't beat all last year's records, considerably then you know it's been a bad year but yeah it should be crazy sounds like you're on for a good one though yes by the sounds for sure yeah okay and you do have a cautionary tale which you you're more than welcome to summarize if you wish but the long story short is that you are looking to potentially um get some investment you're open to investment some people want to try and keep it bootstrapped but you guys are open to some investment so if there's anyone listening i mean what what are you what what sort of partner are you looking for and why if you want to go into it um I think we're just looking for a, well, I mean, to be honest, I don't want to make us sound like we're not fussy because we definitely, you know, we definitely are, but we are, we, we've not done this before. Um, we, you know, as you can tell, you know, some of the mistakes I've talked about, you know, we're doing everything for the first time. So we are, you know, we would consider, you know, equity raise, we consider, you know, some kind of debt, uh, better than we have at the moment. I think, because of we are a we're UK from the UK, but we have a US business. We don't have access to traditional financing, so we've had to go with the kind of um, uh, you know the, we didn't what I was going to say Wayflyer, but we haven't actually sellers funding like those kinds of like lenders, and they're just not sustainable potentially, uh, particularly to the eight figure range. It's just not going to happen. So we want someone who can kind of help us who can see the opportunity that we have in front of us. And um, I, I ideally would would add something to it as well uh, than just money. Um, but right now we've, we've got about three or four different conversations going on. We're trying to see how the next, obviously the next like six weeks add on a lot of value to our business. So we're going to see how, how that goes. Um, but yeah, did I, did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. from the conversations we've had off air, um, You've got great product market fit, uh, a brilliant product. You've done everything right in terms of uh, Amazon, built a very strong business there. D2C isn't where you specialized and Facebook ads is, I think, a huge opportunity for you guys. So there's a lot of people out there who come from that world who would be like, yeah, man, like 
did say, and like you said, hamstring by the fact that you're an American company, not in America, you don't have access to a lot of the things that an American company would get access to, like lines of credit, which makes your life more difficult. So I think there's a lot of things that someone could bring just by being an American who knows DTC and Facebook well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you've got a good chance, to be honest, of getting what you want. It's just, you know, maybe the other argument is if you have a great Q4, would you consider just bootstrapping still? Yeah, potentially. I think we're just open to to all. Uh, I think what we've done before, we've been a bit reactive. So we just want to be a little bit less reactive and more proactive going into next year and kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but just, I think having as many conversations as we, as we can be from the UK, I think we were talking about it the other day. We're not surrounded by, you know, people who are in, uh, you know, everyone seems to be in America. And so, you know, I don't have the contacts that, you know, uh, I met a few people at a, a conference this year and they've got so many contacts being in America, just people they can just send, you know, an iMessage to. And, and, and so I think, yeah, just speaking to as many people and just getting people's advice as a bare minimum would be great anyway. Yeah. Going to join up to the operator Slack group. If you haven't already, it's a great place to be. Just try, join if you, uh, if you want to link, DM me on Twitter. So let's round all of this up with a quick fire round. Um, you can have dinner with uh, anyone, past or present. Uh, one night only, set down dinner, who are you choosing? Oh my God. Uh, you should have given me these before. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, David Beckham. That was a terrible answer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't oh, know. Just because I, I watched his documentary yeah, the other day, so I just uh, yeah. Actually, no. What Michael <laughs> Michael Jordan? Michael yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah. I thought you might go with Phil Knight, but uh, uh, the shoe dog. I would go with Phil Knight. <laughs> oh god, yeah. All right, uh, CEO for the day. Any business? Which one are you choosing? Ooh. Uh, top, top, can I be Tottenham? I'm a Spurs fan. Tottenham yeah. Hotspur fan. So yeah, see, yeah, Spurs. Yeah, club. I'd buy a few players. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, last thing you bought that was from a DTC brand. Uh, I'm. T- I, I I barely buy anything. Uh, Gymshark. Just gonna say you wear yeah, Gymshark shorts. I wear, so. That's all I kind of wear out here. But yeah, Gymshark. How much money is enough money in your account to say? Do you know what? I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but I'm not worried about money anymore, making money. I've got enough now, incrementally, another million doesn't make any difference to my life. What's that number? Money in my bank. Yeah, money in your bank. So literally, I could walk along to you go, here's another million quid, and you kind of like put it in your bank and you're not even bothered. You don't even know it's gone in. Wow, for you to do that, uh, I think at least 20 million, I think. 20 mil. Yeah. That's where you got to get to. Yeah. All right. Makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. All right, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us on Econ Corp Podcast. And uh, yes, we will check in with you. And I hope everything works out for you in Q4. Thanks very much for doing it a few days before Black Friday. Awesome. Really appreciate it, man. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. That was Phil, everybody, on the Ecom Gold podcast. Hope you enjoyed that episode brought to you by Sendlane and Rewind. And we will be back next week with another episode for your listening pleasure. Have a fantastic week. Have a great Back Friday. Rooting for you to have the best Back Friday you've had uh, and uh, really get those Q4 sales bells ringing.